Good morning. We'll start in James uh, chapter 1, and uh, we'll read, uh, well, let's just start in verse 1, and we'll read down through verse 11. Uh, James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ to the twelve tribes which are scattered abroad, greeting, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience, but let patience have a perfect work, that you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, that giveth to all men liberally, and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering, for he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind, and tossed. For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Let the brother of low degree rejoice in that he is exalted, but the rich in that he is made low, because as the flower of the grass he shall pass away. For the sun is no sooner risen with a burning heat, but it withereth with the grass, and the flower thereof falleth, and the grace of the fashion of it perisheth. So also shall the rich man fade away in his ways. So here we are in uh, verses 9 through 11 we'll be looking at this morning. And uh, James has already discussed uh, some of the trials and, and the things and how if we uh, do it right, we will turn our trials into joy. We can count it all joy when we fall into those things because we understand what's taking place. Uh, that patience is working and, and we're being matured and, and really conformed more to be like Christ. And I hope that's your desire this morning. But this morning, we kind of get a little more specific. And maybe we think of the trials of being of low degree, uh, humble circumstances, if you will, often considered poor, and also possibly the trial of being rich. Uh, most of us would not consider that a trial. Uh, we might say that's a good problem to have. Uh, but as I was preparing for this, I, I came across an illustration Turner, I think his name was Ted Turner, he's a billionaire, does that name ring a bell? Yeah, you guys, I'm kind of old, so, but, uh, so he gave a commencement speech, mm, let me, oh, my phone, I don't have it up here because I was told not to keep it close to me, uh, I, I have this illustration on my phone, but I don't, so, but he gave a commencement speech at a college, I can't remember what the name of the college was, and uh, this was back in 2000. And he got up and he was talking about how he felt like a failure. And at the time, his net worth, I think he was estimating, was $10 billion. And uh, I'm thinking, man, that's pretty successful. <laughs> you know, uh, I'd like to have a fraction of that. But it was in light of comparing himself to Bill Gates' $100 billion. And he went on to tell those students, don't compare yourselves uh, amongst yourselves, really. And we know that that's not wise. The Word of God tells us that. But um, the bottom line was, he's like, you'll never find satisfaction in those things. And so the reality is, uh, riches can be a trouble. And uh, oftentimes we not, might not look at it that way, but it really is. So what should our attitude be uh, in regarding to these two states, right? The low degree or the rich? Uh, and I just want to remind you this morning, before we, we go too much further, that the ground at the foot of the cross is level. Uh, rich or poor, uh, it doesn't matter. We all need a Savior. We need Christ. Uh, there's no other way under heaven given among men. 
whereby we must be saved. And so those of low degree and those of wealth all need the same thing, a Savior. And so trials of poverty and wealth. If you want to, you can turn to Psalm chapter 30. We're going to read a couple verses, uh, verses 7 through 9. Uh, we'll do some turning today. <clears throat> I don't know, for some reason I like turning in my Bible. And uh, I have to do it when I'm preparing for this, so you might as well enjoy it while we're here too. Um, <clears throat> verse 7, Psalm, or Proverbs. Did I say Psalm? Yes. Proverbs, I apologize. I'll give you five more seconds because it's just a few pages over. Um, but Proverbs chapter 30, verse 7. Two things have I required of thee. Deny me them not before I die. Remove far from me vanity and lies. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with food convenient for me. Boy, if we could get a hold of that idea, just allowing God to meet our needs, being content with what's convenient or suitable to take care of us. Uh, that, that would change our perspective uh, considerably, but oftentimes we just we want more and more and more. Um, <clears throat> and it says, lest I be full and deny thee. Boy, we see that in the church of Laodicea, do we not? Uh, you could probably, that's a description of American Christianity, really. Um, and say, who is the Lord? Or lest I be poor and steal and take the name of my God in vain. And so we see these pitfalls of maybe low degree or being poor, but also of having riches or wealth. Uh, it can bring troubles in our life. And um, <clears throat> in poverty, maybe we may be tempted to curse God. Lord, help us. Um, and I, I think when, I, I know it, I say we, sometimes I say we because I just include you all in my thoughts, but... Um, <laughs> When I think of poverty, I have an American view of poverty. And there are very few people in America that go without for reason. Uh, some people may uh, uh, truly, truly be without in America, but a lot of times uh, they are without, uh, I, don't, I hate to say it, but kind of almost by choice. Um, the, they kind of choose to live the way that they do, maybe because they're uh, apathetic, they're lazy, whatever, whatever the case may be. But even those folks, there's charities and things to help meet their basic needs. Uh, so I don't know if we truly understand poverty in America. Uh, I've traveled the world. Um, literally, I lost count of how many countries. I, I think I was up to 30 countries at one point. Uh, uh, Brother Chapel and I were talking about it. And, um, anyway, I, I don't remember exactly how many countries it was, but I've seen poverty. Um, when you go through a worn, torn country, there's poverty. Uh, today I saw something in the news as the Russians have pulled back in some of the pubbers of, or pubbers? suburbs of Kiev and in the capital there and just the wasteland that's being left behind of war and, and the poverty that's there. And, and um, <clears throat> listen, I don't know if we truly understand what going without is in this room. Um, I don't know. I've went without a meal at times, but I always knew that there was a meal coming. Right. Maybe it was because of time, a mission I was on, or, you know, I was working a, a long day or something like that. But I always knew there was food at the house. And so I never really worried about it too much. I might have been hungry for that time, but I was never without. And, and, uh, but true poverty can cause us to curse our God. And uh, Job's wife... 
wanted her husband to do that when they lost everything. Um, what a challenge uh, that must have been to uh, a woman that had experienced such loss. I don't want to be too critical of her because I've never experienced such a thing. Um, and then her husband is, is of utmost integrity going through this. And she tells him this in Job 2.9. Then said his wife unto him, Dost thou still retain thine integrity? Curse God and die. What do you have to live for? So she no doubt had begun to doubt the God that they were serving. And if we're not careful, sometimes when we're, we don't feel satisfied, when we're experiencing poverty, if you will, if we feel poor, uh, we can respond incorrectly by trying to accuse God. And we need to be very careful because especially in our day and age where we have so much food and we have so much raiment, what else do we need? Yet we still get discontent and we, we tend to uh, accuse God against not taking care of us or not providing and meeting our needs. Uh, did anybody walk here today? I didn't think so. Uh, I mean, we have vehicles, uh, so many tools at our disposal and how greatly God has blessed us today. Yet at times when we feel like it's not going as good as we want it to, all of a sudden we're poor and, and we're going to hold God accountable for such a thing. Be careful. Be very careful. Many today, when things do not go well, do curse God. There's often great temptation to doubt God when life doesn't go the way that we expect it to. Uh, even though God is meeting our needs and providing for us, we sometimes begin to doubt Him when it's not going the way that we anticipated. We can become bitter at God for those things. We can become cast down, uh, doubting God's ability to meet our needs, if you will, our so-called needs. Uh, be very careful not to do such a thing. In wealth, we may be tempted to forget God. Um, and I think that's where we are and probably the, the greater struggle for our day is, especially in American Christianity, in our churches, is uh, we're blessed to the point where huh, we're doing all right. Uh, Deuteronomy chapter 8, if you want to turn there, we'll read somewhat of a lengthy portion here. <clears throat> Verse 10, Deuteronomy 8.10, When thou hast eaten and art full, then thou shalt bless the Lord thy God for the good land which he hath given thee. Verse 11, Beware that thou forget not the Lord thy God in not keeping his commandments and his judgments and his statutes which I command thee this day, lest when thou hast eaten and art full and hast built goodly houses and dwelt therein, and when thy herds and thy flocks multiply, and thy silver and thy gold is multiplied, and all that thou hast is multiplied. Then thine heart be lifted up, and thou forget the Lord thy God, which brought thee forth out of the land of Egypt, from the house of bondage, who led thee through that great and terrible wilderness, wherein were fiery serpents and scorpions and drought, where there was no water, who brought thee forth water out of the rock of flint, who fed thee in the wilderness with manna, which thy fathers knew not, that he might humble thee, and that he might prove thee to do thee good at thy latter end. And thou say in thy heart, My power and the might of mine hand hath gotten me this wealth. 
Wealth is a dangerous thing. Uh, God warns the people of Israel here, be careful. Uh, as you go into the land and, and you begin to uh, receive the blessings. And according to Hosea chapter 13, uh, we do know that this in fact did happen. They did forget their God. Ver- Hoa, Hosea, Hoa, Hosea, excuse me, maybe I need a sip of water. My mouth's a little dry. So Hosea chapter 13, if you want to turn. You don't have to, I'll read it to you. But verses 5 and 6 says this, I did not know thee in the wilderness, in the land of great drought. According to their pasture, so were they filled. They were filled and their heart was exalted. Therefore, have they forgotten me. The blessings and the wealth of of God and and what all that he had done for them uh, brought them to a point where they had forgotten their God. The one that had met their needs, the one that had provided it all. Uh, the one that had brought them out. And, and listen, never forget where you came from. Uh, I think I've shared this testimony before, but I remember distinctly as a young man <clears throat> laying on the top bunk of my bed, sitting there thinking, what happens when you die? This is just going to oblivion. And, and, and I know God was working in my heart to help me to understand the need of a Savior. And I'll never forget that. Don't ever forget where Christ has saved you from. Uh, Our God, if that's all He ever did for us, was save us from hell. He's worthy of of our service. He's worthy of all the praise and the honor that we can give Him. Uh, But listen, the reality is, He's done so much more. Uh, Be careful not to forget Him and what He's done. The talents that He's given you, uh, uh, the provisions that you have. And so having seen both poverty and wealth in their pitfalls, uh, let's consider a couple things today. Reason for joy in poverty and wealth. Uh, Back to our text, verse 9. It says this, Let the brother of low degree rejoice in that he is exalted. If we are poor, then we can rejoice in that we are exalted. Um, God has chosen the poor to be rich in faith. Uh, you know, oftentimes because maybe they don't know where the next meal is coming from or uh, they don't understand those things. But um, <clears throat> Isaiah 66, 1 and 2 says this, Thus saith the Lord, The heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. Excuse me. Where is the house that ye build unto me? And where is the place of my rest? For all those things hath mine hand made, and all those things have been, saith the Lord. But to this man will I look, even to him that is, excuse me, even to him that is poor and of a contrite spirit, and trembleth at my word. And in our in our book here in James in verse five it says this: Hearken, my beloved brethren, hath not God chosen the poor of this world rich in faith, and heirs of the kingdom, which He hath promised to them that love Him? Uh, Listen, in Christ we are exalted. Um, It is the poor who first the gospel was preached first to. I thought this was interesting. Uh, Our Savior says in Luke 4.18, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, 
and a recovering of sight to the blind and to set at liberty them that are bruised. Verse 19, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. Uh, Jesus came to preach to the poor. Uh, what a blessing. And <clears throat> 1 Corinthians seven twenty-one reminds us that in Christ we are freed man. Art thou called being a servant? Are not, uh, care not for it, but if thou mayest be made free, use it rather. For he that is called of the Lord, being a servant, is the Lord's free man. Likewise also, he that is called being free is Christ's servant. And so, uh, listen, we're free in Christ. And uh, <clears throat> if the poor... So even if poor, we can still be spiritually rich and on par with all Christians. None of that matters here. It shouldn't. Uh, anybody's stature in the community, uh, in government, I guess, if you will, and in uh, their position, their wealth, what they've raised up, none of that matters here at church. It's all about Christ and what He's done for each one of us. We have the riches of Christ. Let the brother of low degree, the poor, the destitute, glory in the cross of Christ and the blessed hope laid up for him in heaven. Uh, We've been exalted in Christ. For being a child of God, he is an heir of God. And we'll we'll come back to that thought of being an heir. And, And of course we know we're joint heirs in Christ, the word of God teaches us. The church of Smyrna in in Revelation chapter 8, we don't have to turn there, but it talks about their poverty, and then parenthetically it says, yet they're very rich. We have riches in Christ. We've been exalted in Christ. And and listen, uh, you know, the cattle on a thousand hills, the wealth in every mine we hear, uh, all of that belongs to us in Christ. Um, and, And in this life, we may not necessarily experience great wealth, But don't ever forget that in Christ, you're richer than anyone. Um, And we have such a short-sighted vision. We think about today, maybe next week. You know, some of you guys that invest in things, maybe you're looking at those stocks and you're hoping in a few years or, or decades, perhaps you'll get a little kickback from that. But the reality is that's very short-sighted. And we would do well that in our poverty or in our low degree here on this earth to dedicate our entire being and selves to the heavenly things and really experience true riches in eternity. Don't set yourself up for the short reward. So oftentimes we forsake the future rewards for some temporary satisfaction. Don't allow yourself to do that this morning. Uh, Think eternally, if you will. Set your affection on things above, the Word of God tells us. If we are rich, then we can rejoice that we have been humbled. So for those of you that uh, are rich and increased in goods, this one's for you. Uh, The reality is, and the truth of the matter is, that's every single one of us in this room, I believe that. Um, we are far wealthier than the majority of the world. And, and get out and do some traveling if you have an opportunity and you'll see it. Go to some of these places that we send our missionaries to. 
and people that are truly poor. And, and we kind of mentioned 1 Corinthians 7, <clears throat> verses 21 and 22. We, in Christ, the rich have become just servants. How's that, right? Uh, those that have this high stature or high esteem in Christ, they're just another servant, just like the poor person next to them. Uh, it's a level playing field, like I said. It's no different. Uh, <clears throat> it says, likewise also, he that is called being free is Christ's servants. Uh, being placed on equal par with all Christians, that rich person, that person of high esteem, in which riches mean nothing. Let's go to Revelation. I'm just going to try to draw this out of here a little bit. Just a thought, an application. Revelation chapter 3, verse 14, if I can find it. It's the last book, right? <clears throat> verse 14, Revelation chapter 3. And unto the angel of the church of Laodicea write, These things saith the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot. I would thou wert cold or hot. So then because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. Listen to verse 17. Because thou sayest that I am rich and increased with goods, and have need of nothing, and knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. We need to be very careful that we don't get satisfied with where we're at. Thinking that we are increased and we're, we're good. We don't need anything. And we've forgotten our God. Uh, we are no different than the poorest of poor in Christ. They're going to the same eternity that, that we are. There will be a mansion for that individual. And I don't know if we can get into discussion about the degrees of reward. But I think some of those people that have suffered in poverty on this earth, we're going to be shocked in how their Savior rewards them in heaven. And those folks that we held at high esteem, uh, maybe that were wealthy, and boy, God's blessing them. And see the difference in what they may be rewarded with. Perhaps there's a little more wood, hay, and stubble in their stack. It just burns up. Uh, <clears throat> we won't even, anyway, let me, don't let me get ahead of myself here. So, listen, we're on equal playing field in Christ. It's good to be humbled or to be brought low as a rich person. Uh, and James reminds us in verse 10. It says, But the rich in that he is made low, look what it says, because as the flower of the grass, he shall pass away. All that important stuff that these rich folks had, these, these people of significance or importance, they're going to die just like the, uh, the one in poverty. They'll pass away. Verse 11, For the sun is no sooner risen with the burning heat, but it withereth the grass, and the flower thereof falleth, and the grace of the fashion of it perisheth. Listen, that once beautiful flower is dried up and dead. 
uh, all those things that we often uh, <clears throat> consider. I, I noticed there was a Bentley for sale on, in Rapid City. That blew my mind. Who in Rapid City is driving a Bentley? Um, but uh, listen, none of that's going to matter. It's all going to fade away. It's, it's going to wither away uh, like the grass in the field, the prettiest of, of, of gardens in the sun. And just like that, people's riches are going to be gone. So also shall the rich man fade away in his ways. They're trying to figure out how to live longer, live forever, if you will. It's not going to happen. The Lord won't allow it. Uh, they're trying to save their, uh, they want to pass on their uh, <clears throat> estate uh, to people behind them, but the reality is uh, it's just futile. It doesn't mean anything. Um, <clears throat> riches are temporary. Uh, it's all temporary. Proverbs 23, verses 1 through 5, it says, When thou sittest to eat, with the ruler, consider diligently what is before thee, and put a knife to thy throat if thou be a man given to appetite. Be not desirous of his dainties, for they are deceitful meat. Look what it says here. Labor not to be rich. Cease from thine own wisdom. Would thou set thine eyes upon that which is not? For riches certainly make themselves wings. They fly away as an eagle toward heaven. They're temporary. Uh, they won't satisfy. And 1 Timothy 6, in verse 17, says this, Charge them that are rich in this world, that they be not high-minded, nor trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God, who giveth us richly all things to enjoy, that they do good, that they be rich in good works, ready to distribute, willing to communicate, laying up in store for themselves a good foundation against the time to come, that they may lay hold on eternal life. Listen, we ought to be investing our riches. Uh, we can't be holding on to that junk. Uh, I think of that Ted Turner guy, $10 billion. He wasn't satisfied because he wanted to compete with Bill Gates. $100 million. He was just trying to accrue more and more wealth. The reality is, as Christians, we should be investing every bit that we have and that we're able to into the work of the Lord. Uh, that's true riches. Listen, riches can't redeem our souls. Uh, Psalm 49, I'm going to read kind of a long passage here um, of Scripture. Psalm 49, verses 6 through 20. They that trust in their wealth and boast themselves in the multitude of their riches, none of them can any means redeem his brother, nor give to God a ransom for him. For the redemption of their soul is precious, and it ceaseth forever. That he should still live forever and not see corruption. For he seeth that wise men die, likewise the fool and the brutish person perish, and leave their wealth to others. How exciting. Someone else. My kids don't need wealth. I'm leaving them nothing. No, There is a good principle to leave your kids some stuff, but... I think we're looking at the extreme here. Their inward thought is that their houses shall continue forever, right? I'm, we're going to try to continue this. My name is going to live on. I'm somebody. <laughs> How ridiculous. Anyway, their inward thought is that their houses shall continue forever and their dwelling places to all generations. They call their lands after their own names. All I can think of all the ranches around here, but 
Not all of them are named after them, but when you think about some of the stuff that we do in, as humans, we do. We try to perpetuate these things in our name. And the reality is we ought to be living for Christ. And He should have all the glory. And every bit of our investments should have an eternal purpose. Um, Nevertheless, man being in honor abideth not. He is like the beast that perish. This, is their, <clears throat> this their way is their folly, yet their posterity approve their sayings. Selah. Like sheep they are laid in the grave, death shall feed on them. And the upright shall have dominion over them in the morning, and their beauty shall consume in the grave from their dwelling. But God will redeem my soul from the power of the grave, for he shall receive me. Selah. Be not thou afraid when one is made rich, when the glory of his house is increased. For when he dieth, he shall carry nothing away. His glory shall not descend after him. Though while he lived, he blessed his soul, and men will praise thee. When thou doest well to thyself, he shall go to the generation of his fathers. They shall never see light. Man that is in honor and understand not is like the beast that perish. Without Christ, it's nothing. Um, And of course, I know that you know and you're familiar with the verses that talk about uh, the love of money causing self-inflicted injury. Uh, Many have been pierced through. 1 Timothy 6, 9 through 10. But they that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and hurtful lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition, for the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some coveted after, they have erred from the faith and pierced pierced themselves through with many sorrows. Don't will to be rich. Be content with what God has given you. Now, that doesn't mean you just need to be lazy and sit around and do nothing. Get off your duff, get a job, and get to work. Because God honors that. Uh, and, and if you don't want to do anything, go without a few meals. Uh, you shouldn't be eating, uh, is the reality of it. But um, <clears throat> listen, the rich can rejoice in being made low. In his humiliation, in his being brought to the foot of the cross to receive as a poor and miserable sinner redemption through the blood of the cross. They can especially rejoice because all outward glory is only as the flower of the field. Just like that flower that will wither and perish. None of it matters. If we don't understand these pitfalls, potential pitfalls, I guess I should say, uh, we might make the same mistake many do today. Thinking that money provides security, significance. Uh, We need to be careful because I want to remind you of Luke chapter 12 of that rich fool. Boy, he was doing good. Uh, Some might have said, man, the Lord's really blessing that fella. And so he begins to tear down and to build up greater. And that was not what God intended for him. And God called him a fool because of where he was investing his efforts and his attention. Perhaps if he would have taken that wealth of his and invested it in others, in the ministry, if you will, uh, there would have been a different proverb or parable that the Word of God would have shared with us. 
instead of that one? How are you investing yourself today? Do you feel too poor to contribute? I'm going to tell you this morning, that's a lie. You are blessed abundantly. And I can say that with some reasonable level of confidence. And so this morning, make sure you're investing in the right thing. Even in trials of poverty and wealth, there can be cause for rejoicing. Jesus is the great equalizer. We're all at the foot of the cross the same. Exalting the poor who are rich in faith and humbling the wealthy by reminding them that those riches are going to pass and that their salvation is based on the blood of Christ. Nothing of their own. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. It's all the same at the cross. And that should cause us to be content like the Apostle Paul in the book of Philippians. Whatever our state is, abounding or, or, or in need, we should be content. Uh, and if we're seeking Christ, He can give us the strength to do that. Uh, Philippians 4.13, I know you're familiar with it. So this morning, the important question is not how rich are you, but how rich in faith are you? Do you trust our God to meet your every need through every trial? Let's pray. Father, we do thank you for this day. Lord, I thank you for your word. and Lord, I do thank you for what you've done in my heart through this lesson. Lord, the good reminder that it is. And Father, I pray that we would not prefer one another. But Lord, that as the people of God, we would just come in here in unity and love one another. Lord, put other people's needs before our own. Help us to be a blessing as you see fit and as you lead us. Father, bless now as we move into the morning service. We pray for your Holy Spirit to fill this place and do a work in hearts. Change lives. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.